Hey, it's Perrin. Before we start today's show, I got a favor to ask of you. We recently set a record for daily podcast downloads in a single day. We hit about 550 downloads, and that was a record by a good shot for us. We appreciate everybody who's in our network and in our audience. And just like you, when you grow your patient base through referrals, we grow our podcast audience through referrals. If you're on your iPhone, for example, and you're looking at our podcast episode or the title page on it, there are three little dots in the upper right-hand corner. If you click on those three dots, it brings up a menu. And most of the way down the menu, there's something that says, Share Show. If you click on Share Show, you can text or email our podcast to any of your friends or colleagues or people you think might benefit from the subject matter we share. We get a lot of great compliments on the content we share from almost every phone call I take, and I really appreciate everybody being in the audience. So if I'm not asking too much, I'm going to ask you to share our show with a couple of friends, colleagues, or people you think might benefit. It's the way we'll expand our audience, and DeWalker and I would be eternally grateful for it. Thanks very much in advance. And with that, on to the show. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or other healthcare provider, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everybody to season two, episode 34 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. This is one that is going to be a tour de force. We're covering inflation, stagflation, recession, and economic rebounds all in one episode. Yes, we are. And to do that, you know who I'm bringing back behind the microphone. That's right. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, is going to join me on today's show. It'll be fast and furious. It always is with DeWalker. There'll be numbers, percentages, and a lot of acronyms that most of us don't understand, including me. Still, get your pad and pen ready, brew a wonderful cup of coffee. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Once again, thanks everybody for joining us on the Group Practice Accelerator podcast today. I am your host, Perrin Desports. Good to be back behind the microphone. And as I teased in the introduction, I'm joined by my partner, DeWalker Sinha. DeWalker, you want to say hello to everybody? Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, this will be, I think, an interesting episode for sure. Obviously, since the last uh, podcast dropped around the uh, cost of capital structure in the rising rate environment. Been a lot of things happened. The Fed met. Um, we've had a, an increase in rates. Obviously, a lot of news around inflation. We're going to talk inflation, stagflation, recession, 
or possibly an economic rebound today. This will cover a wide ar array of topics and a lot of subjects, most around banking, and obviously the genius behind that is my partner, DeWalker Sinha. So let's let's take a second and level set this real fast. So I got a couple of uh, things coming across the newswire. In the last several weeks, um, several months, we've seen consumer price index, CPI, um, being uh, discussed thoroughly, um, even if you're not really tuned in to the news. Uh, and the latest is that we hit an all-time high or maybe like a, a hot, not an all-time high, let me restate that, probably about uh, a, a high of the last several decades of about 9.1% on inflation. It receded slightly uh, to around eight and a half percent over the course of the last week as of when we're recording this. Uh, so that's a little bit of good news, but I think there's some numbers behind the numbers. We also have seen unemployment rates and uh, labor force participation rate. And you're hearing about people who had retired back in COVID now coming off the sidelines and re-entering the workforce. Overall, we are still at a close to record low unemployment number of about three and a half percent. Everyone seems to consider the four percent number to be full employment. So you can make a slight case that we're above full employment right now. And the federal funds rate being increased the last uh, two turns at about 75 basis points each time. Uh, now the prognostication is potentially around a 50 basis point uh, increase upon the next time they meet. So a lot of data flowing relative to the status of the economy, inflation, recession, talk about stagflation. DeWalker, you want to get beneath the numbers and some of the trends and really bring our audience up to speed on truly where we are right now? Yes, and I think it's you know, speculative as we're moving forward. Uh, but uh, one of the things we've seen so far is um, you know in June they uh, did a Fed funds rate of 75 basis points improvement. You know July they did another 75 basis points improvement. So I think what we're seeing here in August the CPI index of uh, eight and a half it's really a reflection of the decisions made made in June, uh, which had a significant uptick if you look at you know overall uh, ten year Treasury indexes and and uh, five year Treasury indexes. You know, around the time they started to really increase the Fed's funds rate, it, it took a significant uptick. Um, you know, they continue to, um, you know, monitor how inflation is happening. And again, in, in um, July, the CPI came in at 9.1%, which is even a higher number than the, the June number. Um, and, you know, they reacted to that and created another 75 basis points Fed funds improvement. So, you know, you know, and, and now again at eight and a half for August, it's a probably a reflection of ac activity done in June. I think the true indication of where this is going to be is how the August CPI comes back because we would have had two months of improved uh, Fed's funds improvement. You've seen two significant upticks in the Treasury indexes, um, different Treasury indexes, and uh, so for rates uh, uh, across across the markets. And as as if that starts to kind of taper down from the 9.1 to 8.5 and continues to taper down, I think we're going to start to see uh, uh, to some level, as the feds have already stated, they're going to continue to increase the feds fund rate, but a quarter percent adjustment in the fed funds rate is not material in, in the macro picture of, of, of market conditions. And I think the, the market overall will, will uh, absorb that fairly well. 
So I think the question comes down to the CPI is going to come out middle of September for the August report. The Fed's um, the next Federal Reserve meeting is uh, around uh, September 2021 um, of, of next month. And that's going to be an indication of are they continuing to provide another 75, 50 basis points improvement to see, uh, or are they going to start to go down to 50 to 25 basis points based on where things are headed. And as we sit on the call today, I mean, the, the treasury indexes, the 10-year treasury indexes, uh, uh, have started to come down from, from their peak of, you know, middle of June, June 14, I think was the peak of the 10-year treasury. So uh, you probably feel that as we're listening to the podcast today, the 30-year mortgages are starting to come down. You're starting to see, you know, some, some level of um, plateau in, in mortgage price improvement, and that does impact the uh, overall market conditions to some level. Yeah, I was going to say the the point on uh, you know home sales, home building, the housing market overall um, is uh, you know an uh, an indicator, I guess, of um, sort of a, a more macroeconomic outlook to things. And we don't talk about the housing market hardly ever on this show. There isn't a compelling reason to, but. Uh, we've seen a, uh, an overall cooling of the housing market fairly quickly in, in the Charlotte, in the greater Charlotte area. That's both buying and building. Do you want to maybe dig into that just a little bit as we think about how that uh, is a harbinger of things to come overall? Yeah, I think uh, kind of echoing the Treasury indexes. So as the the you know Treasury indexes plateau out a little bit, are starting to see some level of regression from their peak. You know, I, I think uh, obviously housing has come down significantly month over month as far as um, overall uh, uh, supply in the market. Uh, you're starting to see more and more transactions in the middle of mortgage applications start to uh, um, withdraw from a closing. I think part of that fear is, you know, what am I am I at the peak of the market? Uh, is the is it going to continue to drop from where it is? Can I get a better deal? Uh, and those are things that are going to impact um, um, housing prices as they continue to probably go down for the next few months. You know, that said, as as people start to see the mortgage rates stabilize and the supply be there, at some point the demand's going to slowly come back. You know, as, as towards the uh, uh, the supply, and I think you're going to start to see some level of normal market activity in the housing housing market where. You're not going to see the improvements we saw the last few years of you know, 10 to 25% year-over-year valuation improvement on these houses. But I think, I think people forget, like when they look at the housing market, a good return is like 3 to 5% improvement year-over-year. And I think if we can get back to those numbers, I think you know, those would be reflection of the economy turning around and consumer spending starting to go back uh, towards a, a normal direction. We've had, you know, on the other side, two quarters of uh, of negative GDP, so I think that's something to kind of keep in mind. And so, I mean, I think as we hear things about are we at, uh, going in inflation? Are we? I mean, I think the words that have been used in media, the stagflation, or we're we going into a recession. Some have argued that we're entering into recession, or we're already in a recession. Um, I'm, I'm more on the on the on the on the on the camp of I think we're in stagflation. Um, I think if we if we see these changes in the CPI side continue to happen the way they are, and we see it start to come down from eight and a half to seven or seven and a half down to six, we see that month over month change coming down to approximately five percent or less by the end of the year. 
Uh, I think we're starting to look back towards a economic rebound going into Q1, Q2. Um, so I think th those are things to consider um, as, as, as you know, our, our audience members are starting to look towards Q1, Q2. I always tell our clients, our pros prospective clients, you know, whatever your decisions you want to be at in the middle of 2023, um, start looking at those decisions or the, the initial decision tree process in the middle of 2022. You know, we focused a significant amount of energy around that, around our capital process, you know, uh, because they can take anywhere from six months to a year uh, we uh, to, to, to consummate those things. So again, start looking at your, you know, I think I say this in a couple of our podcasts, start looking at your 2023 uh, business plan. If you don't have one, you know, uh, have a conversation with us. We're happy to help you through what that may look like. Um, but the 2023 business plan does not get started or drafted in January of 2023, but the 2023 uh, business plan should have already been drafted. If not, needs to be worked on now so you can you know, internalize, finalize by beginning of Q4 and really start to take the steps to make sure going into January of 2023, you have a running start. You're not starting from ground zero or from stop uh, and, and executing on that plan. Yeah, I think that's really, uh, really great advice because, you know, sometimes we, we all tend to get wrapped up in um, macroeconomic trends and we listen too much to the news and the sky is falling and we, we talk about, you know, the uh, the employment uh, uh, rates. I mean, the, the economy are, is is you know at max employment. So everybody who wants a job has a job. They're usually being paid really high rates right now. So they they have purchasing power. But due to uh, inflation and the rising cost of goods, their buying power doesn't go as far. So the 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 dollar volume of activity is high, but the unit activity levels are are beneath that, and that's the stagflation piece of things. But when we start talking about, you know, building building a big business with some degree of continuity, it, when things get choppy and and the the crystal ball is less clear, those who are positioned correctly tend to, to create buying opportunities. And you see this in um, uh, investor circles a lot. I mean, Warren Buffett talks about this for one. Um, but, you know, I, I think the for our core clients, the people who are building businesses, they're growing through acquisition. Most of them are growing through acquisition. There are a, a good number, a good percentage that are growing through de novo. There are going to be a ton of opportunities um, in the not too distant future. And, and those of our clients who have dry powder, who have the right leadership teams in place, who have the uh, systems and processes that are built for scale for those group practices, they're going to be able to take advantage of a lot of opportunities with a general, arguably, lack of competition. And I think that's going to be exciting for us to see, given the the segment of the market in, in which we work. So do you want to maybe, let, let's kind of dissect, I guess, what all this means you know, as it relates to to growth on the the acquisition and or the de novo side of things. Yeah, so I think uh, let's let's go to de novo first. Um, 
you know, as if you're starting the process for a de novo or you're, you're starting to look at 2023 game plan, um, if you're starting now, you know, you're probably 60 to 90 days to a, you know, potential site selection. And by the time you open your office, it's going to be probably end of Q1, potentially based on, on construction delays, be Q2. You know, one of the things we've already seen in the market, and we've talked about this a couple of podcasts uh, before, in the capital solution side is definitely pay attention to, you know, cost of materials, uh, cost of labor, cost of finishing out the project. I think the the year-over-year improvement in that side, in the de novo side, I think those those costs are starting to plateau and come down a little bit. Again, because mat- uh, goods and materials, and the, the more importantly, with gas prices going down, um, is impacting you know uh, uh, the overall cost structure. As we start to look towards 2023, you know, we, we potentially talk about you know if these treasury indexes start to plateau you know, to a reasonable level. And, you know, just to kind of give you perspective, our treasury levels are the same as January of 2018 and January of 2019. Okay. The overall mortgage indexes are about the same level as 2018 to Q1 of 19. So, you know, that's the, the, the overall pricing conditions we're going through. And if we go through the Fed's fund rate, and again, different indexes to go through, we're probably going to see similar indicators of where we are approximately out there. Now, there are different indexes, different ind- different uh, lending platforms use different indexes, but overall, they're somewhat interconnected and tend to impact each other. So, you know, looking at those things, you know, if we can, you know, manage to the CPI, manage to the, you know, Fed's funds rates to kind of making that quarter percent adjustment versus the 75 basis point adjustments. Q1, Q2, we might, we might be looking at an economic rebound. And I think, you know, even if not, right, even if it's still going through that process, you know, look at your business plan to address an economic downturn. We've, we had clients do de novos during COVID and open up offices during COVID. That may seem surreal to some of our audience. Remember, we had clients doing that. You know, what does that mean when you're, you know, to opening an office in the, in the position of an economic downturn in Q1, Q2? But how great will you be positioned if there's an economic rebound? And that's, that's, those are the things to plan about on the de novo side, for sure. You know, I, I think um, on the, the rebound comment, let's maybe... Um, get clear with our audience here because you know i think a lot of people <laughs> this is recency bias right i mean we we all we don't think about things in truly historical context we only think about things in terms of what we've seen in our lives and the things we've seen in our lives that occurred in relative uh recent times are what we tend to gauge our expectations off of it's called recency bias and so when we talk about an economic rebound um we're not we're not talking about a return from covid right where the economy was sloshing around with cash and people were buying everything and and you know boom it was massive growth and in short order you can make a good case due to the fact that the government um went through three rounds of uh uh injection of of funds into the economy to create consumer behavior. So we're that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about economic rebound here. But I think we're talking about more um, uh, rational 
returns of the economy in terms of normal economic cycles? I mean, is that sort of where your head's at when you when you talk about economic rebound, Walker? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Um, thanks for clarifying that. I think you know when I'm I'm looking at economic rebound or I'm implying an economic rebound. You know, I'm looking at more the 2012 to 18 era. Okay, where we started to see economic come back a little bit, or when we start to look at you know, yeah, more of a normalized return to market conditions of year-over-year improvement, going back to where the Federal Reserve wants, which is around a you know two and a half percent to three percent inflation. Yeah. You now that's going to see reasonable market conditions. Um, you know, we're not talking about the uh, you know the M and A market exploding where there's aggregation happening at you know you know exponential rates. I think in an economic rebound, it's going to have more M and A activity as a, as a default of it. But I think it comes down to even a, you know talking about you know if you're thinking of going to market, you have a lot of factors going into Q4 to Q1. You know, one is if you're if you're going thinking of going to market, you're probably four to six months from an actual event. You know, things that are on the horizon, we have a major midterm election coming around. A lot of tax law changes coming around with, uh, uh, around potentially with that. You know, we have to kind of weather where the uh, treasury indexes are, the Fed, Fed's fund rate is, and how that's going to impact, you know, the, the ability of private equity firms to continue to leverage capital and how their cost of capital, borrowing cost of capital impacts how they make offers. So that said, you know, we, there is uh, the demand in the market is the same. Supply in the market in 2022 seems to be a little bit lower than it was in the historical years. So I think that's going to hold valuations up and structures up and continue to provide momentum in the space. But the overall theme being, if you're thinking of opening an office into Q1 of next year or going to a marketed process in Q4 or Q1 of next year, you know, start thinking about what you know, an economic rebound m- might mean for you of doing a de novo, or if you're going to be you know, partnering up with a bigger DSO, how that could be very impactful towards your equity role and how you grow that equity within that DSO. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good insight. You know, um, we'll talk in the coming episodes uh, around the sell side process and, um, you know, uh, what our prognostication is and and things to, to keep in mind as it relates to, to selling a business deal structure and a lot of other odds and ends, uh, relative to that. So we'll, we'll have a lot to unpack, but I think also, you know, talking through all of that in the context of things that are happening, not just in the market, but in the economy overall, that certainly uh, influences um, transactions, timing, multiples, structure, everything is, is going to be um, uh, a really fascinating uh, uh, part to live through. It goes without saying that you and I are very optimistic. Uh, we don't tend to look at the world through rose-colored glasses, but I, I think where we find ourselves in dentistry overall, in the group practice space of dentistry, and specifically with the doctor-founded, debt-funded um, uh, set of, of dentistry, we are incredibly optimistic about not just the, the coming months and into early next year, but the, the years to come. I, I still say that those who are building great businesses that are operationally efficient uh, and, and financially viable 
going to have a wealth of opportunities to recruit uh, great people into their business. They're going to have the opportunities to build new locations or buy uh, existing practices. Uh, and certainly for those that are contemplating um, bringing on a, a capital partner, um, this is uh, this is going to be an excellent time to do it. So really excessively positive about where we find ourselves right now. Any kind of uh, further concluding thoughts from you around any of that or, or any of the other subject, subjects that we touched on, or if there's anything you want to tease for some of our upcoming episodes? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the theme from from this podcast, you know, it's kind of connecting the last few is, you know, you know, I, I think, you know, as I've said, you know, there's a potential economic rebound going to Q1, Q2 next year. But but we also have an economic downturn going into you know uh, Q1 uh, of next year, and I think people have made those uh, uh, arguments. The number one thing you guys can be doing on on that are listening to our podcast is prepare, and you know good preparation is you know preparing for the worst and hoping for the best or planning you know hoping for the best. So you start thinking about your business and really start thinking about 2023, and reverse engineer the things you need to be doing now. And, you know, go through that decision tree process with us, with your internal team to figure out, you know, what does it mean if consumer spending continues to, the uh, uh, CPI continues to go up or doesn't go down and they continue to impact the fund rate? Are we going to be going down to a recession or an economic downturn? What does that mean to your business? Ask those hard questions within your business now as you're planning for 2023. And then ask in the same meeting questions, assuming you know, we are addressing those things now and preparing for those things. What does that mean if we have an economic upswing or rebound? And how are we positioned to do those activities? So in one aspect, when you think about economic downturns, you, you think about the following things, being more frugal, thinking about higher cash reserves, thinking about your lending strategy. We talked about that in the past few podcasts, like, you know, put, put yourself in the right lending partner so if there's credit uh, risk model changes going into 2023, you have those. On the other side, all those things we've talked about as far as preparing yourself for an economic downturn or a recession do complement and position you better for economic rebound. Because having the right capital structure or going through a marketed process you know, three to six months out before it's happening you get to realize when that market does pivot either way. And I think those are the things that I would uh, want our audience members to think about. Again, look at your 23 plan, start executing it now. Yeah, and, and just to put one more bow on that, just to maybe reinforce a comment you made that um, those that are oriented towards the coming years in terms of growing their business, uh, be it through acquisition or de novo, we really can't underscore the capital structure piece enough. Um, you and I experienced this uh, charging into COVID. And I remember those couple of months of early calendar year 2020, we had a pretty significant debt restructure deal in the works. And, uh, you know, as we got closer and closer to March, uh, that thing got really, really tenuous. And I think the key for, for our audience and those that are wanting to reevaluate uh, their lending relationships and gain clarity around, you know, what available growth funds may be, it's a heck of a lot better to have that uh, secured and in place, documented and functioning 
before we might hit any further downturn versus trying to get that uh, accomplished in the middle of a downturn. It's judging from our prior experience, it's it's a, a really, really tall order to uh, achieve if you don't have that. So again, something something critical for those who are growth oriented, something critical to think about right now um, for sure and, and making sure that you got that uh, tied down and solidified. So um, good stuff today, partner. This is a wealth of information. Always love having you behind the microphone with me. It can be a lonely place otherwise. So always glad to have a, uh, a colleague on the, on the line. It's been good. And I know that uh, our audience is the better for your time. Thank you very much for being with us today, Walker. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got it. And I'm sure we will have him on the next one. There'll be uh, further information to come. If you've got questions on anything we touched on today or or any other subject matter for that matter, feel free to drop either one of us an email directly. You can always reach me at Perrin at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. And DeWalker is DeWalker at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. D-I-W-A-K-A-R at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. Stick around. We'll be right back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. Well, that was a tour de force, as it usually is with DeWalker, and I really appreciate him taking the time to join me on the show today. Before we wrap things up, I want to touch on uh, two quick points. Um, One, I think by now probably, well, hopefully, everyone has seen uh, a lot of the um, uh, promotional and uh, email information around the Scaling from Clinician to CEO Summit that we are doing in conjunction with Mark Costas and the Dental Success Institute. That registration is live. Um, if We will link to it in the show notes. How about that? Uh, and it is October 5th through 7th in Denver. The 5th is a Wednesday and it's a travel day. Be a little bit of a, a cocktail party uh, that evening with registration and stuff, but it's predominantly a travel day. The meat and potatoes of everything is going to be on Thursday and Friday. We'll finish up Friday. Uh, after lunchtime, probably around three o'clock or so. So gotten some questions about uh, time frames, people wondering whether or not it's a uh, Friday, Saturday event. The answer is no. Uh, the event is predominantly a Thursday and Friday event. So hopefully that will make things easier on people relative to their personal time on the weekends. And that would include the people presenting like me. <laughs> so I hope you can join us. The Sheraton in downtown Denver uh, has recently been renovated. There is also a video in the link that we'll uh, link to in the show notes. They went through about an $80 million resov- uh, renovation, and this place absolutely looks killer. There's a rooftop pool where we're going to have um, a reception on Thursday night, so it ought to be a lot of fun. And some of the content that we're seeing from the speakers uh, is is really looking great, and I'm going to tease all of that out uh, in some upcoming uh, podcast episodes. So you'll get a lot more information there. Hopefully you can join us um, October 5th through 7th in Denver for scaling from clinician to CEO. We are limiting it to 150 people. Registration is open. We expect it to sell out. I'm not sure what the number is we have right now, but every day we get a couple more people uh, enrolled in it. So I would say move quickly due to space limitations uh, or else we might have to put you on a waiting list for uh, next year's event. One other thing I've gotten a lot of questions about um, and a lot of interest in recently, 
is something we call a discovery day. And there are a handful of people who've reached out and said, hey, I can't join you in Denver. Um, the timing doesn't work or I've got a personal commitment or something, but the subject matter is something I really need. Uh, what do you recommend that I do? And one of the services we offer at Polaris, I don't talk about it that often, um, but we've had it since day one, uh, is something we call a discovery day. And I'll tell you what that is really quickly. For those who can't make it to Denver, um, or maybe they're not, in, maybe you're not interested in a group setting, you'd rather do something one-on-one, -on -one. a discovery day is one-on-one -on -one with the client. It is not a, a group class. I teach probably 95% of them. Uh, it's about a seven-hour day together where we tear apart your business. I teach out of a, a, a relatively standard deck of fundamental knowledge, legal structure, debt structure, equity structure, growth strategy, buy versus build, associate equity, profits interest versus restricted stock, trends for the industry, growth, uh, what is EBITDA, how does it, what does it mean in terms of valuation, and what does it mean in terms of acquisition? Gosh, there's more than, than that. I'm forgetting some stuff I know, but um, uh, the exit process, obviously. Um, but there's uh, the ability to cover all of that in a setting together. And, and the idea is that the deck that we teach out of is meant to be educational. You get a printed copy of it, but there's ample time for you to ask questions that you might not otherwise ask in a group setting. You know, sometimes people, this would include myself, in a group setting don't want to, they don't want to ask a question because they feel like it might be a dumb question you know, or they might not ask a question because it's too personal, usually financial in nature. Uh, and in a one-on-one -on -one setting, you can ask anything and I'm going to give you an answer or guidance on just about anything. Uh, I hosted uh, two separate sessions this week. I'm recording this podcast on a Thursday and I had a client in on Monday and I had a client in on Wednesday and the two days could not have been any different. Um, as a matter of fact, the Wednesday session we didn't even use the deck. We went off the whiteboard the entire day. So we talked about what his business was, wh what he was hoping to do with it, associates, growth opportunities, kind of laid out the next sequence of steps for him to get clear on what he needs to do when he gets back home and even in the next calendar year. Uh, and it was really a fun day for both of us because it was something dramatically different than what I typically do. So I wanted to share that because I hope that you'll be able to join us in Denver. If you can't make it in Denver, but you do have, um, uh, you want to spend time with somebody to kind of level set and get things straight about what the next phase of your life and your business is, um, the Discovery Day is a wonderful option. The other thing, like I mentioned, is if you don't feel comfortable going to Denver because some of the questions you need answered are more deeply personal and, and you don't want to explore any of that in a group setting, which I totally understand and respect, a Discovery Day might be the right option for you. So I encourage you to consider that. Feel free to drop me an email. I'd be happy to uh, share with you the, the rough agenda that we use for Discovery Days. And we can hop on a call or, or trade emails at a minimum and uh, go through some of the specifics of, of what a day might look like together. So looking forward to having, uh, having you spend some time with us, be it one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting, either way. I obviously really appreciate you being in the audience. Thank you all also for the recent accolades you've shared, the ratings you've shared. 
and the fact that we hit 20,000 downloads um, at a faster rate than we hit the initial uh, 10,000, which is really cool to see our audience growing. So I appreciate you being out there, being a listener, being a subscriber. If you've got questions, feel free to submit them to me directly at Perrin at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. Thanks again for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode.